I appreciate the music this morning. Uh-oh. Oh, Children's Church. Oh. See, guys, boy, I got a one-track mind. I, I, bye, kids. I, uh, I appreciate the music this morning. And, um, boy, everything, everything, everything is moving in, in a direction. And I, I get excited when, uh, when that, things like that happen. I'm, I'm telling you, I get excited. Y'all have heard me say that before. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't talk to the people that are doing the music. I have no idea what it is that uh, God has laid upon their hearts. But I always, I always get excited, and, 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 and it does. It makes me happy when, when I know that God is in control uh, because God is in control, and, and that's what it's about. It is about God being in control, not, not the man standing up here leading the music, not the man standing up here preaching the word. It's about God. It's not about, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about God. And, and God has, has really just ramped on me. He's been ramping on me for, for a couple of weeks, but he has just really burdened me today with, with, this, with this message. And um, I don't know who it's for. I don't. It's, it's for all of us. You know, there's, there's something that we can all take away from this today. But, but this message is for somebody. And God is already working on their hearts. He's already working on their hearts. How many of us have had a frustrating week this week? You know, it's, uh, that's, that's the thing about life, isn't it? You know, when Paul's talking in Corinthians, when he's talking in 2 Corinthians of chapter 5, the beginning of chapter 5, when he's talking about the fact that we, we're, we're longing to be at home with the Lord, you know, there's a lot of truth in that. Man, as long as we're stuck in these bodies... We are, we are going to make mistakes. Mistakes stink. I don't like them, you know. Nor do I like the things that, that we get trapped with. Um, you know, I, my week started out, and this is just how my week started out. My week started out going to the eye doctor, okay. And, and I'm not trying to, I just wanted y'all to understand the frustration, okay. My, life, <laughs> my week started out going to the eye doctor, thinking that, first of all, I was thinking that I was nuts. Because I'd already, already been to the glaucoma specialist and didn't have just a really great experience. They poked holes in my eyeball, and you know, I, you know. And after they did, got done poking out holes in my eyeballs, this is exactly what she said to me: "I can't find anything wrong with you, so I'm going to send you to somebody else." That's how it came out. And I was sitting there going, "Yeah, but I, I still can't see clear," and 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 it is frustrating. It is frustrating for, for, for me because I've always been able to see clear. You know, I've always had those eagle eyes, you know, and I could always, you know, look at stuff far away and be able to focus in on it and clearly see it. And then all of a sudden, one day I wake up and now I can't see things clearly. Everything is a blur. Everything's clouded, you know. Uh, I freak out at night because everything's got an after image on it. It's, it's, it's got a kind of a ghost appearance to it. And so when you're, when you're driving real fast and you're trying to pay attention to everything that's going on because you don't want to hurt anybody or you don't want to hurt yourself, you just want to get the job done, and then all of a sudden all you can see is just ghost stuff, little after images, blurred stuff, 
it's kind of freaky. It's not fun. And it's, and it's frustrating. You know, when I wake up in the morning, I can't even see my daughter standing across the room because she's all blurry. I can see her, but she's all blurry. And, that, and that's frustrating. So to have the doctor tell me, ah, you know, I poked holes in your eyes, but I can't find anything wrong with you. Good luck with that. I'm going to send you to another doctor. So, you know, you feel like an idiot. Start wondering, you know, maybe I'm nuts. You know, so I'm sitting in the doctor's office, and, and the doctor comes out, and, and he says, uh, basically comes back, and he verifies that I am not nuts. That made me feel a little better. And he verified, uh, they came back, and they said, well, you have a cataract. And I was like, cool, cataracts can be fixed. I know lots of people with cataracts. They go in there and zap. I was a little disturbed by the fact that I'm only 43, and I have cataracts. But that's cool, no problem. Fix the cataract, they're going to give me this little fake lens thing in here, and I'll never have cataracts again. I was like, sweet, sign me up. And th- then he said, then he said, I can't do the surgery. And I went, what do you mean you can't do the surgery? You're like the specialist. You, you do this all the time. What do you mean you can't do the surgery? And he says, you, you have something else wrong. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, what do you mean? You, know, you fix my eyeball, will you? And he, he said, I have a, a condition that's, uh, I can't even pronounce it. It's uh, basically, basically I have a cone eye is what, what it is. My eyeball, instead of being round, my eyeball's kind of like pooching, which explains the other problem that I had. But he said, if I go in and, and I, I remove the cataract, it's going to make this other problem worse. And I was like, well, Okay. What else? You know, fix it. And basically he was saying, you know, if I go in and I operate, then all it's going to do is, is make this other condition worse. And I was like, okay, all I want to do is see. I said, it's kind of important with my job. I've got to be able to, you know, see what I'm shooting at. I've got to be able to drive fast and not hit anybody. You know, it's a little bit important. And uh, he said, well, you know, the, the only options that you have is to, to get a specially fitted lens. It's not even like a normal contact lens. It's like a prosthetic for the eye. And, and, and they'll put this prosthetic on your, on your eyeball, and, um, but, and, and that'll help for, for, for a while. And, but but it, it, it gets worse. You know, the, the, it's a progressive thing. And so, I mean, eventually, you know, all they can do is just like, you know, cut the top of your, cut off your cornea and put somebody else's cornea in there and, you know, maybe that'll work. And so, you know, all of a sudden at the beginning of the week I'm thinking, ah, okay, great, you, you just basically told me that my vision stinks and it's only going to get worse. And, you know, we'll try to keep it in check. And that's about all you can do for it. And the, the other tag along was, well, you know, you're still, you're still susceptible to the glaucoma. So, I mean, that's, you know, and everybody, people who live with glaucoma, but you, I mean, it's just frustrating. Basically what he says was, congratulations, you will be coming back to the eye doctor every three months for the rest of your life. Okay, that's not really what I wanted to hear. And then I go to work, and everything's been marching along, been Trump, I mean, we... You know, people are coming to us to our recruiting office because, because they know that we care. 
They know that we invest our time and we work hard for those people that are wanting to join our department. You know, they, word is somehow or another, word has gotten around and everybody wants to apply out of the Amarillo office. A bonus. Man, I love hearing stuff like that. Because that means, if, if that's being said, that means that there are good people out there that are want, really want to work for us, you know, and they have a desire, you know, and, and that just means better people that are applying. So, I mean, bonus time, right? Well, then all of a sudden, the people that are in control of things, I honestly sit, think that they sit in the room, they got a big dart board up on the wall, and they just throw darts at it. And wherever that dart lands is whatever decision they make. Because all week long, they, they would send down an email, okay, you're going to do things like this. And then 20 minutes later, they send out another email, and they said, nope, now we're going to do it like this. And then 20 minutes later, they send another email, nope, you're going to do it like this. Well, that's great for the people in Austin that are making all those command decisions. Super. But the little guy down on the pole that's got to deal with the public, every two seconds, he's having to tell somebody something different. And now these people are starting to, they're starting to get upset. Because I'm coming back and saying, ah, yeah, I know what I told you 20 minutes ago. Hello. It's changed. Now you've got to do this. Well, if you're somebody that's applying for the department, how long does it take you before you start wondering, hey, do I really want to work for these people? And who is this idiot? You know, why does he not have a grip on things? And quite literally, the week, the week ended up getting a phone call from another lieutenant that I don't even know from on the other side of the state calling and complaining about me and then my lieutenant, my supervisor coming back and throwing me to the wolves and saying, I don't know what's going on, but you're in charge of this and it's collapsing. Fix it. You're an idiot. So you sit back and you go, what? And you start getting real stressed. I'm not a nice person when I get stressed. Ask my family. You start getting real stressed. You start getting real snappy. You start getting real frustrated. Then you start saying things that hurts people because you're mad. And the worst thing about it is, I didn't care. I was mad. Don't step in front of me because I'm going to stomp on you. And then... Then you got to stop and you got to think, oh, wait a minute, i got to come in and i got to present the Word of God. <laughs> what kind of an example am I? The reason I say all that is not to draw attention to myself. The reason I say all that is because we, we all are in those shoes. We all go through those frustrations. And yet God loves us anyway. I don't even begin to comprehend that. That no matter what our frustrations are, no matter how our lives are going, no matter what kind of a train wreck it is, God loves us. And there is a point and a rhyme and a reason to what it, God is doing. And when we go through our lives, it's hard, it's hard to grasp that. And one of the songs was, was talking about being dry, being in the desert. And guys, yeah, I mean, how easy, especially as a, as a child of God, how easy is it to be in, in, in the desert, to be dry? And, and what it's talking about is that over time, we become calloused. 
we become dry because we become we, we get hit with so many things so often, so many frustrations in life that that after a while, yeah, we begin to kind of ignore it. But our skin is toughening enough. And, but unfortunately, not only is our skin toughening enough, but our heart is hardening as well. And so we get to the point to where we no longer feel. And the devastating thing about being at that point in our lives where we no longer feel, where we no longer care, essentially, we've become dead. Do you get me? Because we don't care. And that's a bad spot for a child of God. The reason that that's a bad spot for a child of God is because... We are, I guess I went too far. (laughs) Jason's saying, stand back. We are called. It's you and I that spread the gospel. not, Not the pastor. Not the Sunday school teacher. Not the deacons. Not the elders. You and I. If you are a child of God, you are the gospel. And if your heart is hard, if your skin has gotten too thick, then you've become dead. And you can't. You can't. Spread the gospel. Because you no longer seek. You no longer care. And, and that is it's bad. Because guys, the preaching, the Bible thumping, passing out tracts, that that's not going to lead people to the Lord, people. You, your heart, what God has done, seeing Christ in you is going to lead people to the Lord. Because when people see you and they see Christ in you, they want to know, they know immediately that something is not normal. They know immediately that something is different. And and they start asking questions. And then God begins, as they start asking those questions, God begins squeezing on their hearts. And it's all because God used you as the tool. But if you're not seeking Him, and, in you, and, you, and if you've become dead, then he can't do that. And we all ask the question, what is the point? What does, what does this relationship with God mean? Why is it there? And, and I wanted to, to talk with you this morning. I wanted to share with you this morning some, some of the thoughts that God has laid upon me. And, and what does it mean to have a relationship with God? Because, folks, I don't care who you are. The church, this affects everything. If God is not moving in your heart, then God will not move in others' hearts. God will not move in this church. This church will not grow. And I'm not talking man growth. I'm talking God growth. Real growth. It will not happen until 
It's real in here. It's cause and effect. Real church growth starts with you. But we got to have some kind of a grip and some kind of understanding. And what does it mean exactly to have a relationship with God? We've got to go back to the beginning. What is our purpose? What is our purpose? Everything, everything, folks, is to the glory of God. We are human. We want to draw attention to ourselves. But there's one fact that you've got to keep in your, in your mind. We are not here, or you are not here for you. And we are not here for you. Everything, everything is to the glory of God. Let me share these verses with you. Romans chapter 11 verse 36 says this. For from him... And through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. 1 Corinthians 8.6 says this. Yet for us there is but one God, the Father. From whom are all things. And we exist for him. Did you get that? We exist For Him. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all all things. And we exist through Him. You get this, folks? Basically, what it's saying is that all things are from Him. All things. And it's all. Everything is from God. Okay? All things are through God. And again, it's, it's all things. Not one thing. All things are through God. All things are to God. All things are for God's glory. That's what those two verses say. And those are not the only two verses in Scripture that say that, by the way. I just don't have time to write all those things down. But the gist of it is this. All things are to God. All things are through God. All things are are from God. And all things are for God's glory. This is about God and not about us. Now, let's talk about the purpose of the relationship. And we've got to go back to Genesis for this, okay? And you're not going to think maybe these verses are a little strange in the way that I placed them, but that's okay. There's a reason. Genesis 1.27 says this, God created man in his own image. Not necessarily physical image. I hate to think that the good Lord looks like me. <laughs> we're, we're in trouble. But he did create us in his own image. In other words, we have, God created us with the very same characteristics. We were designed and made, originally created to be like God. You have to stop and ask yourself, why? Because 
because he desired us. He wanted it that way. That one thing alone makes you special. God created you. And he created you in his image. Because he desired you. Think about that. Male and female. He created them. We were created. Man and woman. Boy and girl. In his own image. For him. Y'all got to get that. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you're going through. Or where you came from. I don't care what your past is. I don't care. What I want you to know. Is God created you. For him. You are his pride and joy. No matter what. No matter what the little rattling thoughts inside your head tell you. No matter what others tell you. No matter what the world says. Know this. God loves you. Genesis 3, 7 says this. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and they made for themselves loin coverings. Not lion coverings, loin coverings. In other words, they made clothes. Now, I know you're thinking that I'm weird. Why is Scott bringing this up? Why were they dressed? No, no, how were they dressed before they realized that they were naked? Anybody? They were dressed in the light of God's glory. In other words, as they were remembered, go back, God created us in his own image, right? God is light. God created us in his own image. So if God is light, then how were we supposed to be? We were supposed to be light, right? You you get me? This This is why this is important, okay? They lived in God's glory. In other words, God's light poured out upon them. They didn't have to worry about being dressed, people. Because when they looked at each other, all they saw was this really bright light. And the light clothed them. But that light came from God. In other words, not only was it a covering, not just a physical covering, but I'm talking like a covering. Much like if you stop and you go in reverse. How many of us has been in a spot where it's completely dark? I'm talking so stinking dark that you can't even see your nose. You ever been in that place? That's a scary place, isn't it? You're recovered by darkness, right? This is the exact opposite. When we were with God, And one day we will go back there. And I'll talk about that later. We were covered in God's light. Covered. Everything was covered in God's light. That was his presence. His protection. His providence. 
his clothing. Verse 3, 8, the next verse says this. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, why is this important? Because it not only shows, it not only shows that we were covered by him, but it also shows this. It shows that God walked with the man and the woman in the garden. This is even more awesome to me, people. Not only did God cover us, but God walked with us. Every day they stood in the presence of their maker. How awesome is that? And that's what this verse indicates. This verse indicates that there was fellowship between God and man. In other words, we could walk together. We could talk together. We could share together. We could be one with God. That, folks, is what the relationship was meant to be. That was what we were created for. That is what God desires. So to recap, let's look at this. All things are from God. All things are through God. And to Him for His glory. Okay? We were created in His image for Him. We were meant to live and be clothed in His glory. We were meant to fellowship, walk and talk with God. That's what we were meant to do. Okay? So what went wrong? What went wrong? Why are we not there? What happened? It's pretty simple. It's called the fall from grace, and it's all right there in chapter 3. I don't have time to read it, so I'm just going to kind of give you the, the quick summary version, okay? First of all, in God's perfection, God allowed the temptation to come, all right? We all know the story. He came, whispered in Eve's ear, said, hey, God said you can, all, 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 this is how fouled up we are. God gave us one thing, one stinking thing. All we had to do was stay away from the tree. God said, you could eat anything else in this place that you want. You could do anything that you want, but stay away from the tree. Do not eat from the tree. That's all. That's it. And like a goofy child, like, I, I know this because I tell my children this all the time. We, we, as a parent, we've all gone through this. Look at a child. Look, do not do this. That's all you got to do. not do this. Two seconds later, what do they do? Exactly what you told them. And I'll even stop and I'll even look them straight in the eye. And I will make them repeat to, to, to me what I just told them. Do not do this. And I will make them look at me so I know that they know. I know. I can see, understand it in their eyes. And I know that they heard me what I just said. And I said, do not do this. Answer me. Respond back to me. What did I just tell you? And I can see God doing this. Look at me. Look at me. Look at what I'm saying to you. Do not eat from the tree. Respond. Do not eat from the tree. Do not eat from the tree. Okay, y'all got it, right? Do not eat from the tree. And the first thing that they do is eat from the stinking tree. So they had the temptation. The temptation came. And then there was the act. They disobeyed. It wasn't about eating the fruit of the tree. It was about disobeying God. They had a chance, and they blew it. 
And along with the act of the sin came the curse. And that was, that was the bad thing. The curse was, not only did they get booted, it's not simply that they got booted out of the garden. It's that they were banished from God's presence. This is why they realized that they were naked. You know why? Because God removed himself. That's why they realized they were naked, because guess what? They weren't clothed in glory anymore. And not only, it's not that they were kicked from the garden, they were kicked from God's presence. They were separated. They were banished from God. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So he drove the man out, and at the east of the garden, he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword, which turned every direction to guard the wedge of the tree of life. Not only were they banned, but there is no coming back. Separated from God in the loss of purpose. Because of our sin, we were cast out of His presence. We lost our covering and our protection. We could no longer fellowship with God. We were forever separated. Dead. That's what dead means, people. Dead means separated. Forever from God. So what now? What now? Here's where the good news comes in. God made a way. God made a way. Listen to all these verses. Because they're awesome. John 3.16 said, For God so, we all know this verse, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish. Whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This, I'm about to lose this microphone here. I don't like it. Um, Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates His own love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10 says, That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For the heart, for with the heart a person believes, the heart, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Basically, what it's saying is this. God loves us. And he does not want us to be separated from him. Remember, why did God create us to begin with? For him. Listen, if I make something and I'm proud of it, you think I'm going to destroy it? If I lose it, do you not think I'll look for it? Get this, people. God loves you. And he does not want you to be separated from him. God sent 
His own Son, Jesus, to die for us so that we wouldn't have to. God sent His Son to bridge the gap, to reconcile us, to to end the separation, to end the death, so that we wouldn't have to be separated from God. God loves us so much that despite the fact that we fouled up and we got the boot, God said, no, I want them back. He wants you back. And so he sent his son to die so that we wouldn't have to. And here's the cool thing about it. All we have to do is believe. That's it, folks. All we have to do is believe in faith. That Christ, that God, first of all, we have to believe that God does love us. Second of all, we have to believe that God is not playing a trick on us, but he actually did send his son to die for our sins. We have to actually believe that God does love us. And I'm here to tell you, he does. Whether you believe it or not, he does. And then my belief in him and his death and resurrection, through the covering of his blood, our relationship can be restored. This is all scripture, people. This is all truth, foundational. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what your heart says. I don't care what your mind tells you. You can have a relationship with God. All these things are from God who reconciled us. In other words, God sought us. Get me? God sought us. He he went looking for us. He gathers us back to Him. God reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Not, 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 not the pastor. Not the preacher. Not the Sunday school teacher. Not Billy Graham. God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, my heart shows Christ. And you, at looking at my heart, despite my flaws, despite my fallacies, you see Christ. We, God reconciled us, and we become reconcilers. Because God changes us. And we can't help but share that love.